Thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name is Amy, and together with my husband, Johnny, we lead the church here in Nottingham, England. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. And if we can help you in any way at all, feel free to get in touch and email us at info at trinitychurchnottingham.org. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. I want to talk today about distraction and attention. I wonder if anyone can uh, resonate with me, maybe just humor me for a minute. Have you experienced any distraction uh, in the last few months in lockdown? Every now and then, could you just maybe admit, if you were being more honest than you're willing to be, that you've been a little bit distracted at different points? Over lockdown, I have discovered a world that before lockdown was completely unknown to me, the world of YouTube. And specifically the, word of, the world of YouTube golf. As one person or a couple of people particularly who I've begun to follow, I haven't yet subscribed to their channel, but I've begun to follow their movements. And one guy particularly, a name, uh, Rick Shields. Now, Rick's a professional golfer. He's got over one million subscribers. I'm not necessarily telling you to subscribe. But what Rick has provided for me in lockdown is an opportunity to lose myself in random stuff surrounding golf. When I want to disappear for a few moments, just forget about the troubles and the uh, passage of the day, I watch one of his videos. And it's for this reason that I can now tell you with confidence how to hit any one of the nine different golf shots that you could hope to hit. I am an armchair expert on every single one of those golf shots. The problem comes for me when I leave my armchair. I step onto the golf course and the only shot I can hit is a slice. (laughs) we're working on it. Of course, it's not always entertainment that distracts us. For some of us, we're distracted by busyness. Perhaps it's been less of a problem in lockdown, but we're distracted by business. It may be the busyness of your work life. Maybe the busyness of your Zoom schedule, of your family life. It may be the the busyness of your church life. We are easily distracted beings. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the manifesto of Jesus, his declared intention for a better future, which looks like the kingdom of God. Come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the manifesto. And Jesus in this moment has an opportunity to shape his manifesto around any set of priorities he wishes. And in the moment, where he's got this opportunity to declare who he is and what he's going to be about. He speaks from two prophetic pictures in the Old Testament. And the first of those is Isaiah 58. A prophetic rebuke to the nation of Israel. Because they haven't exhibited and portrayed justice in all of their dealings. They've been fasting, but they haven't been worshipping God in the way that he demands and declares and uh, desires to be worshipped. And then Isaiah 61, which we focused on, haven't we? A message of God's deliverance, a hope-filled message to exiles, to those who are far from home, internally and externally. A message of liberation and hope and future and possibility. And we've been looking through this message and we've been saying, this is the manifesto Jesus speaks of. And the moment that we come to now is the moment of the end of the reading. And Jesus says, or he doesn't say, but he would say, this is the word of the Lord. And they say, thanks be to God. And then the sermon begins. And I'm not going to go into too much detail on this because George spoke on this last week. But put it this way, it was a short sermon. It was a short sermon. 
Well, what's fascinating about f- for this, uh, for me, about this is one particular detail, and this is what we read in the verses I really want to focus on, from verse 20. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began, to, he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. We're going to be spending a couple of weeks looking at the different responses to Jesus. Because whatever else you say about Jesus and about this sermon, you've got to say, you've got to agree that Jesus, his message, his life, his ministry, it couldn't be easily ignored. It was impossible to ignore him. As I said, it says here that the the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. People were transfixed by Jesus. I want to look at this particular posture. This particular posture of the congregation in the synagogue that day. Because I believe that this particular posture of being transfixed, having our attention on Jesus is going to be the most important thing. One of the most important things for us as we move forward in these days. And the word used here, apparently in the original language, is attenizontes, for those who care. It sounds like tennis. It also sounds like attention. Attenizontes. And one scholar says it depicts intense, focused emotion. Some of you have heard me preach before. You know that intense, focused emotion is, is my thing. It's, it's attention. And this word particularly, again, for those that care about this stuff, this word is used 12 different times in Luke and in Acts. Luke, the author of Luke's gospel, also writes Acts. This word is used 12 times. And every time it's used, it's a key moment. It's a threshold moment. It's a significant moment. It's a moment where people are being called to pay attention. One of those examples would be the uh, Jesus ascension. Another one would be Stephen's vision in the early chapters of Acts. Paul's address to the Sanhedrin. You see this word propping, uh, cropping up. A moment of attention, a moment of breakthrough of significance. And people are transfixed. This is as if Luke is highlighting this to us. This is significant. Watch out, pay attention, look at what's going on. What is going on? Here's what's going on. God is preaching his first sermon. Isn't that amazing? God is preaching a sermon. And when God preaches, he can preach short sermons. <laughs> Praise God, hallelujah, uh, they're saying here in the room, if you can't hear. And so unsurprisingly, perhaps God preaching his first sermon, the response of, the, of, the, of those gathered is intense, focused emotion. You might say they're transfixed. They are transfixed on and by Jesus. They're hanging on every word. And they're wondering what's coming next. Have you ever had a moment like that? Have you ever had a moment in your life where you've just been transfixed, attentive, just clear about the importance of the moment you're in? I've had a number of those moments. I could talk about the birth of any one of my children, but I'm going to choose one particular day, 13th of May, 2012. Do you remember the day? I know you remember the day. You can feel the day. The, the emotions of the day are rushing back to you. They certainly are to me. You remember it, don't you? Man City were uh, on the threshold of the first championship that the team had ever known in 44 years. And all they had to do on the final day of the season was defeat QPR and also ran in danger of relegation. And they would defeat their ultimate foe, Manchester United. But somehow, 
Man City were 2-1 down with all time elapsed. 90 minutes had gone. And in 90 minutes plus two, Edin Dzeko, hero of the hour, scored a goal, an equalizing goal, but it wasn't going to be enough. And there I was, sitting in a bar in a random village in Spain with one other person. My, my mother and my father and my sister had evacuated the room. They knew it wasn't a good time to be around me. And there was one other person in the bar, and he was a Man United fan. And he and I, in that moment, in those three minutes between Edin Dzeko's goal, 90 plus two, Sergio Aguero's goal, 90 plus five, giving away the ending, we were transfixed. We were looking, we were watching. You couldn't break the, the attention. It was as if we were spellbound by what was happening. And then 90 minutes and five, 95 minutes into the game, Aguero scored. And I have to say, after that, my memory is very blurry. But I remember I, was out, as soon, I, w- I ended up outside the bar in the town square, hugging and kissing on the cheek a woman who I had never, ever met before and never seen since. That's what attention, that's what transfixed looks like. A more pastoral example, okay. Uh, every time I do a wedding... I have the opportunity to be in the middle of the action, watching down the aisle as the bride approaches. And I see the groomsmen, and I see the groom, and I see the congregation, and everyone is spellbound, transfixed by the moment. Most of them are crying, and I am always crying in those moments. You see, attentiveness is what you bring to the table when you recognize the significance of what's going on before you. Attentiveness is, in, in, in its proper place, is a, a posture of worship. And I want to commend attentiveness as a posture to you today because attentive, attentiveness is one of the most important postures we can have as followers of Jesus. Why? Why? Well, because of the gospel. Because the one who is being revealed in these pages of the gospel, Jesus Christ, The one who's revealed is the one who's able to deliver on every promise God has ever made. He is God's yes and amen to every promise. He is the one who's able to preach good news, to live good news. He is the content and the deliverer, the mouthpiece and the message himself. He is the one who can free prisoners from their slavery. He's the one who who can free prisoners from the prison of depression and anxiety. He's the one who can liberate people from self-hatred and self-pity. He is the one. He is the one who can bring about recovery of blindness, physical blindness, spiritual blindness, the blindness of isolation. He is the one who proclaims over all who would respond to his message the year of the Lord's favor. He's the one. That's why we need to be fixated, dare I say, obsessed by him and with him. And any attempt to build anything meaningful in our lives without him, without that posture of attentiveness is doomed to failure. Particularly if you're a disciple. You can't build a a Christian life without Christ, without your attention fixed upon him. But as I said at the outset of the message, staying attentive is not easy. It's not easy when Rick Shields is out there pumping out good content every other day on the YouTube. It's not easy when the Instagram is full of people with their opinions and all the other things that are happening in the world. And it's also not easy because life isn't easy. Life is difficult and it's particularly difficult for many around this time. 
I had a conversation with a friend uh, just the other day, and he suggested to me that uh, as human beings, we have three fundamental needs. He said we have the need for safety and security. Tick. I need that. We have the need for love and affection. And I would say to that, and endless attention. Tick to that. And thirdly, we have the need for power and control or or agency. We have the need to be able to bring and make a difference to the world. Yes? Ask yourself, if if you're not convinced, ask yourself this. If you could have any one of those things in greater abundance, would would that not make you more happy? It would. You would like more love and affection, more power and control. You would like more safety and security. These are fundamental needs. But look at the situation we're in at the moment. The unfortunate truth about each of these three things is that in this moment, every one of them is being placed under threat. Safety and security, well, we're facing an invisible foe. We can't see that foe, but it is a virus. It is a foe that threatens our very lives and livelihoods. Love and affection, we can't touch those we love the most. Uh, I was just reflecting the other day. The only people I've touched in the last months are people who live in my house. Even my own parents who are in Nottingham, I haven't touched them. That is evil. That is a, a war against what makes us human. Power and control. Uh, never before have we been less in control. I had another conversation with a friend the other day, and this friend leads a church, he's one of my best friends, his name's Pete, and he was asking me, Johnny, what is the Spirit of God saying to you? What is God doing in these times? What is God whispering in the heavenly places? Give us an insight, Johnny. And I laughed, I laughed. I said, Pete, if you'd have come to me four or five months ago, I'd given you all kinds of heavenly wisdom. All I can give you now is a story of woe. I don't know. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know. And honestly, church, I want to say to you, neither do you. And the truth is, I never did know, and neither did you. We never knew. We've never had control. Control was always an illusion. And we live in a world where we can control the temperature of our houses by our smartphones. And we can turn the lights off in another part of the house by saying something to our friend Alexa or similar. We have the illusion of, the, of control, but in anything meaningful, we are not in control. Control, that doesn't matter because control is not a fundamental posture of discipleship. Attentiveness is. Attention is. Being transfixed on on Jesus and by Jesus is what counts. It is that that will win the day. Church, we are in a moment now of crisis. Who imagined this? Who imagined I'd be preaching to an empty room or close to empty? Who imagined it? What kind of church are we going to need to be in the season to come? We don't know. Because we don't know what world we're going to inherit in the season to come what the needs of our world will be because we as the church are going to be called to meet them whatever they are. But we know the one who does. And we know the one who will be present when we arrive into that future. We know him and our eyes are on him. And if we're going to be able to find our way forward from here in the days to come with any semblance of sanity, it's not going to be our natural reserves of energy, our passion, our spiritual insight, our gifts, even our spiritual gifts, or our charisma that enable us to get there. It won't be our perfect knowledge, our ability to control outcomes that get us there. And if you're looking for leaders who are leading in that, you're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong house. 
It will be the fact that we've learned how to pay attention. And I tell you, this moment right now is school in attention. Paying attention to the one who promises to be with us always and who promises to liberate every captive. So what's our role in this time? What is the litmus test of our discipleship? I'm suggesting today it is our attention. What counts most of all is where our attention is fixed. A virus? A campaign? Or the King of Kings who alone is worthy of worship and honor and praise? Who alone fulfills his manifestos every time on time? As Jehoshaphat prayed When he was overcome, King Jehoshaphat, by the enemies around him. Lord, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We're going to pray now, that prayer. And I'm going to lead us in a particular prayer. I'm sure in a moment, Amy will join me. But I want to just lead us in a simple prayer. And I'd love you to lay your hands out before you. You know, it's a sign of surrender. We talk all about what it is. It's a posture of humility and openness and being ready to receive. But fundamentally, I just want to say it's a sign of surrender. When we lay our hands up before us, we're just saying, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. I need you. I need you. And so do that now. And just tell him. Just tell him how you're doing, not how you should be doing, not how you learned in Sunday school that you you needed to pray, how you really feel. Lay out the broken pieces of your life before him and wait for his fire to fall. Lay out before him your need for safety and security. Speak to him about your desire for love and affection. Open up to him your hunger for power and control. Lay down, lay those down. That's the first move, lay down. Lay them down. Thanks for listening to some of our teaching here at Trinity. We hope it's blessed you. If you live in the city or live outside of Nottingham and want to connect more with the church, check out some of our practices and pathways on our website. We call them one, few, company, and many. We're passionate about encountering Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the things that he did, both individually and in our lives together, so that we may see the church on fire and the city come alive. You can find these on our website under the Connect tab. Thanks for listening.